Apparently, nobody wants the AL West. Astros offered it up. Rangers, Mariners said, thanks, but no thanks. So let's make a deal, Astros. I'll take it, but only if you throw in a Texans run defense. It's episode 41 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. Welcome into Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange. I'm joined by Charlie Palillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on X at Palillo and at Josh Jordan 975. And as we promoted last week, and we'll be promoting for the foreseeable future, the three of us launched a new Texans podcast called Texans on Tap. You can find that on our new YouTube channel, Sports Map Texans. You can find that on YouTube by searching at Sports Map Texans, all one word. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider as well by searching Texans on Tap. That's T-A-P, like a beer tap. Charlie, it's episode 41, and I was a little bit surprised by the selection here. Which Astros player are you highlighting this week who wore number 41? Well, the world champion wearing 41 of note would be Brad Peacock, but I'm going Brandon Backey, the Galveston native, uh, a couple of very high-profile money postseason pitching performances at the very top. Game 5, 2004 National League Championship Series, Astros-Cardinals. The Jeff Kent wins it with a three-run homer, 3 nothing game, bottom of the ninth inning. Brandon Backey threw eight innings of one-hit shutout ball in that game. Brad Lidge pitched the top of the ninth, hence Lidge got the win. Uh, but the apex of Brandon Backey on the mound as an Astro – also, probably a close call between Backy and Mike Hampton as the best hitting Astros pitcher of all time. Yeah, and Backy is a super cool dude. Just a great guy. Let's get to it, guys, because this seems to be one of the more quirky division races, as I alluded to in the cold open. The Rangers looked dead in the water. We talked about that last week, but the Astros and Mariners couldn't take care of business, and now the Rangers find themselves just a game and a half back of the Astros, the Astros drop back-to-back series against 100-loss teams and yet find their lead increased over Seattle and Texas. Houston now hosts Baltimore for a three-game set before the rematch with KC. And then there's a really important series against the Mariners in Seattle. Guys, we've banged on Dusty all season for not optimizing this lineup for success, but it's the heart of the order that's really been struggling here of late, especially in clutch situations and defensive lapses on the field is what we're seeing from Houston right now, just a lack of focus or something more. Well, if it's a lack of focus, shame on them, right? For a lengthy period of this season, the entirety by record, but the scrutiny has increased in recent weeks. Hey, what's the deal with you guys at home? And then they continue to go out and lay eggs at home. It should be noted. The other team is on scholarship too. You know, the Mariners are a ball club basically as good as the Astros. So in a three-game series, they come in here and slap the Astros around. It shouldn't be taken as a stunning development. Even Oakland beating the Astros two out of three. Surprising, yes, but shouldn't be a real shock given the Astros' 38-37 and 37 home record this season going into the, the final week at home, Orioles and Royals. Uh, but just the nature of baseball, it has more ebb and flow waves. Now they've been wilder and wackier waves. The road play, losing two out of three at Kansas City aside, has been brilliant. Uh, I just think it defies logic and description. 
Uh, is there a little element of, yeah, we know when to turn it on. We know when to turn it on. We're experienced. We're playoff proven. Well, you need to get to the playoffs to give yourself that opportunity. And uh, the race has been dodgy enough, long enough now that if they just had any sort of mentality of just show up, throw the gloves on the field, make sure the bats are in the dugout. We got this. Uh, that is not a champion's mentality. I just think they're not that great a team anymore. Uh, the starting pitching having collapsed basically the second half of the season. Right, The offensive numbers have surged overall, but they're erratic. Right, The Astros can clobber you. They can blow you out. But in a close game, they're 18 and 17 in two run games. They're 17 and 18 in one run games. Check my math. That's 35 and 35 in one or two run games because of the overall talent that they have when they get it going. I use the uh, ebbs and flows and waves analogy. So, you know, they can be an offensive tsunami, 11 runs in back-to-back games, 17 runs, 14 runs, and then too many games where they score one run or get two hits against against the A's. Uh, It's just not a great team anymore, but it's a good team. Get in the tournament, especially if they win the division, and then go back to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, fatigue for me is one of the obvious things that I would point at. But I would also say that with they've had like, what, three team meetings in the past month or so, <laughs> something like so. It's not just us noticing something's going on. If, if the players are calling team meetings, they've had like three of them, I think Chandler Rome said. So something's going on with that. And I think I do think fatigue's part of it. And I will lay a little bit of this on Dusty, you know, Tucker's. 189 over his last 15 games they finally gave him a day off the other day with with McCormick playing some right field so maybe if we saw a little more of that over the course of the season we've been just begging them to give a Brayu some time off too it, it seems like he hits a little better when he's a little more rested I mean he's back to just I mean it's disastrous he's 204 in his last 30 games so a Brayu is just He's killing you again. So I, I think a little bit of rest is part of it. And, of course, you know, it's the starting pitching. You know, it, it's been very inconsistent. When the starting pitching's like that, it, it's tough to win ball games. which it's, it's something the Astros aren't used to. That's been a strength of this team for the last several years. The Astros really have to falter badly to not win the division. Given Seattle and Texas having seven head-to-head games remaining, that guarantees that either the Rangers or Mariners loses at least four of those. If the Astros go eight and four these last 12 games, it guarantees at least a wild card spot and probably is enough to win the division. But we've seen them chump up enough series to bad teams that, you know, no counting chickens on this stuff. Um, look, Dusty has done a season long botch job on the playing time between Maldonado and Diaz. Abreu, we have covered ad nauseum or ad nausea. Uh, but in the end, it comes back to player production in the big picture. If the Astros somehow somehow were to lose this division or miss the playoffs entirely by a game or two, you could fairly say, you know, if Dusty had gotten it right or had risen to the occasion, woken up the second half of the season, you know, all your analytics and so forth, it's probably a net difference of two or three wins if Diaz had gotten the primary catching playing time with Maldonado as the backup. You know, Yonor Diaz, when catching this season, is batting 321. As the DH, he's been a 240 hitter. Um, Abreu just a, a mess. So having him start 80 of the first 82 games or whatever it is, and then compounding it as Josh alluded to recently. Uh, but the idea that, oh, if the Astros had someone who was uh, alert, a better manager, they'd be 10, 15 games better. Total BS. Like the Astros would be 98 and 50 if they had pick your manager relative to Dusty Baker. It's just a flawed team, as are most 
In the Astros' case, they're just more flawed other than the short COVID season, more flawed than they've been since the last time they missed the playoffs in 2016. But if they do lay an egg in Seattle, things could get dicey. And to your point of ebbs and flows, if you need any further proof that anything can happen, the Marlins crushing the Braves over a three-game series, outscoring Atlanta by 23 runs. <laughs> so anything can happen in baseball. So the whole thing of you should just expect to pick up wins against bad teams, that's not always the case. But to your point, Charlie, Dusty is not without blame here. He says everybody's going to play, but some guys play a lot more than others. We've seen Diaz not in a game and then gets subbed in late in a game once it's out of hand and he hits a home run. And you just wonder, what could this guy do if he were on the field? I think we all collectively wonder about where Diaz would be in the rookie of the year race had he got regular playing time. That's not all necessarily Dusty to be able to predict that guy who just got called up and is only here out of a necessity of depth is going to turn into the hitter he has. But once you get an idea and once you have a, a veteran catcher that has struggled as mightily as Maldi has last couple of weeks, notwithstanding, you would think that Dusty would adjust and it doesn't really seem that's the case. It almost seems like in spite of the results on the field being some questionable decisions, certainly they wouldn't be 10 games up, but it's safe to say that they could have a healthy lead right now. Is it is it unfair to say that maybe they could be four games up? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're up a game now and the net difference, Diaz getting bulk time at, at catcher and some more time at first base relative to Maldonado and Abreu, if the net difference, there's three games. Uh, there's your math on it. Um, I don't think, or at least I'd like to think, that Dusty has not consciously thumbed his nose at critics I don't need help. I've been managing for a long time and I think I do a pretty good job. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to do what I want come hell or high water. Uh, if there has been any sort of, I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what you too, Dana Brown. Um, that's negligence in job performance. Uh, however, this plays out. I do think the, the trail now leads toward this being Dusty's last year uh, as the, as the Astros manager. I don't think it's going to end with them free-falling out of the playoffs, uh, not making the playoffs, I mean, with that. Um, but if it does, it, uh, it will be an, an ugly exit uh, for Dusty in the end of his very distinguished career overall. Yeah, and just a general observation, it feels like there's a lot more talking to the media going on this year. Maybe that's just my perception right now, but it, it seems like there's more – more of that going on and anonymous people speaking behind the scenes. And uh, I know Chaz has been featured and quoted in a lot of articles recently, but to be fair, he speaks to the media after the games. He may not know what his quotes are going to be used for in what particular article. Um, so there's that as well, but yeah, it just seems, but it also makes sense, right? It's close. They're struggling. They're frustrated. You know, you know, maybe you talk a little more behind the scenes when, when things aren't going so well. And if in doubt, just blame it all on the batter's eye at Minute Maid Park. <laughs> there you go. Josh, I got to say, when you came up with this stat uh, in our pre-show meeting, I was very surprised. Last 30 days, Astros number one in Team OPS. I'm old enough to remember when the Astros were 15th in the league. So guys, why aren't the results there for Houston if this offense has exploded like this? Too much up and down. You score 11 runs one night and two runs the next night. You're averaging six and a half runs per game. But you know what? You probably went one and one in those two games. So over the last 30 days, the Astros record is 
14 and 11 or so, which is right in line with their season-long winning percentage, which is good. Right? 14 and 11 might not sound real good, but that's 91 baseball, which isn't great, but it's good. And that's the pace the Astros are on to finish winning 91 games or so, which in all likelihood will be enough to certainly be in the playoffs and probably win this division. But they're clearly a cut or two levels inferior from as recently as last year and most of what we've seen during this dynasty run. Yeah, to to go along with them being first in OPS over the last month, let's look at the pitching. Over the last 30 days, their team ERA is 20th. So, I mean, if you compare that to most of the season, they've been in the top 10, but, but now this is the sample size gets down to the last 30 days. Bats are getting hot. Pitching has gotten worse. So that's something to monitor. I will say in the last 15 days, the team ERA is down to 10th. So that's better. But <laughs> it, it kind of goes back and forth, you know, based on, and on how these games go, how these pitchers are getting lit up. I, mean, I know that's obvious, but I say that because last seven days, ERA 16th. So they just keep going, you know, every week they kind of keep going up and down and kind of regressing to the mean there. But the hitting is really being pretty consistent over the last month of the season. So if they could just get the starting pitching going, you know, get J.P. France back to way he was pitching, you know, a, a month or two ago. Maybe Christian Javier has found something. He can get it going. But, you know, Fromber's doing Fromber things. To me, it's Verlander. They, they got to get Verlander consistent again. I think he can do it. We only got two weeks here. But let's just make this final push. Let's win some games. Verlander, Fromber, we're looking at you guys. And guys, keep swinging the bat like you're doing because it's working. Big picture. Last year, they finished 50 games. 5-0. 50 games over 500. This year, they're going to finish about 20 games over 500. This team is not nearly as good as last year's team. Uh, following up on Verlander, interesting choice to have him start the first game against the Orioles. Right, the biggest three games, every game's critical at this point, but the biggest three games are at Seattle next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So by Verlander going in the Monday night game against the Orioles, well, four days rest would mean he pitches Saturday, which takes him out of the Seattle series. Unless you're going to bring him back on three days rest next Wednesday in Seattle, which would be, in a word, stupid. Uh, the alternative to that, if, hey, you want Verlander and Fromber starting two of those three games at the Mariners next week, well, Verlander going Monday, he doesn't pitch again until next Monday, right? And he's fretted sometimes. I like four days rest. I like four days rest. I prefer five days rest. Well, last year on more than five days rest, his ERA was sub one. So I don't know if they've had the conversation or will after the Monday start. But Verlander, to me, does not pitch again until next Monday in that opener in Seattle. Fromber having gone Sunday in Kansas City would be on rotation to go Friday night again against the Royals. And then Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four days rest for Fromber in that finale at Seattle. And then, hey, if it comes down to game 162, be it for the division or to get a wild card, Fromber would be available on three days rest in game 162 at the Diamondbacks. I presume, at minimum hope, the Astros have gone through all these permutations on this uh, because I absolutely, you know, like Verlander's been money every start. Fromber seems to be back on the beam. Uh, but clearly those two guys in Seattle, you would want starting two of those three games as opposed to any two of the other Astros starters right now. 
Speaking of starters, JP France has certainly come back down to earth. His ERA is up to 384, which on the surface sounds good. But when you look at his last seven games and see that his ERA is 669, that is not as impressive. We talked about JP's this found money. Maybe he leapfrogs some of these guys like Arquiti and Javier in the order, especially when we get down into the playoffs. I wonder if that's still the case now, because I know he was kind of living on a razor's edge with some of these situations earlier on in the season. He was able to tiptoe around. These are now blowing up in his face, but his control doesn't look like it's there as much as it was early in the season. But what are you guys seeing from JP? And and has this kind of put Javier back in a place to kind of reclaim that third best pitcher in the rotation? I think in part, he was wonderfully and vitally for the Astros over his head. Uh, for his first two, three months in the rotation. And the performance was the performance. Now, he didn't have a major league mean in terms of his career to regress to. But in the minor leagues, he basically was never as good as he was with the Astros over his first dozen, 15 starts. He was always wild in the minors. So whether, you know, he was just on a good run that tapered off because he absolutely has lost his command over recent starts. Brandon, you used the word fatigue. He's among the Astros pitchers who's blown past his prior career professional high in, in innings pitched. So among France and Javier and Brown, recency bias wins for me two weeks from now. It's a two-week audition to see who's that third starter, and you need a fourth starter in a, a longer series. Uh, caveat to that, especially if you wind up in the wild card, you don't really get much choice. Right? You're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The wild card is Tuesday, Wednesday, if necessary, Thursday. It's who has rest, who's available to go when that dictates who your starting pitchers would be. But if they indeed, as they still should, win this division, regular season ends Sunday, division series doesn't start until Friday. Then you can line them up exactly the way you want, and then the Astros have that decision to make starting with the number three guy. Yeah, I, I think it is. Whoever performs the best over these next couple of weeks, that's, that's, I mean, the hot hand, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of where you are. And with France, it's the walks. And yeah, he is a guy that walked a lot of guys in the minors, but four in his last start, five in the one before that, three in the one before that. That's a lot of walks. And, and he's not a guy that, that strikes out a ton of people. So those walks come around to score if you give up some doubles here or there, and then, then you're in trouble. So, I think that's what's going on with him. The league's starting to figure him out a little bit. He's getting a little tired, but you can't keep shooting yourself in the foot and walking, guys. And that's been an issue for most of this Astros rotation throughout the course of the year. They're self-inflicted wounds. Guys, let's move on to the last topic here. Last week, there was much ado made about pudding. Dusty's alleged bias against McCormick kind of spilling into the media Four anonymous sources telling Chandler Rome that Dusty had an issue primarily around Chaz McCormick's weight. And look, players pretend like they don't see or read this stuff or hear about it, even though they're asked about it post-game. I don't know. I can't discount guys are watching someone like Chaz McCormick, who was key and pivotal points in the postseason that he contributed towards. Do you think this Dusty-Chaz controversy is creeping into the team morale? I get what you're saying, and I think it would be silly to say absolutely positively no way, but the days they score 11 runs and win, are they feeling good about things? And then the next day, let me contemplate, boy, Dusty does some doofy stuff, and let's powder our way through a one-run, four-hit loss. Uh, I just think in the end it's performance, and banana puddings become this crazy story, just like to me this batter's eye is a, is a nonsense story. 
but I will quote the late and legendary Hall of Fame catcher and quipster Yogi Berra, who once said, among other things, 90% of this game is half mental. So would that make the game 45% mental? You know, creatures of habit, anything that throws off your routine, if you have any sort of small seed of doubt sown, can that germinate and grow? I just think ultimately the Astros have not played good enough ball to distance themselves in this division. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the other day just how much I miss Luis Garcia. You know, imagine if you had a healthy Luis Garcia, just somebody you could count on to go out there and keep you in the game for five or six innings, and you don't have to worry. It's going to be five to nothing when you blink an eye. They they just don't have a lot of that right now. And, and with Verlander not being Cy Young Verlander, you don't have that to lean on either. So I think a lot of it's the pitching. And they've been this team all year. I'm going to go sweep you, and then, oh, we're going to get swept by the Yankees, and then we're going to go sweep the Rangers, oh, and then we're going to get swept. I mean, it's just every time they gain a little ground, they, they tend to give it back. That's what inconsistent teams do. Let's just hope, you know, when the playoffs get going, they'll be good to go. But, I mean, I'm sure it plays a factor. If I'm one of the guys on the team and I'm looking over at Chaz and, and we need offense and, and he's not playing very much or at least not as much as I would like, that would bother me. The one thing I've noticed is a positive is that Chaz and Brantley had not really been playing in the same lineups together, hardly at all. I'm seeing more of that now. So I'm hoping that that's something that will continue. Just please trust Chaz a little more in center field. I mean, they let him play right field the other day. Trust him in center field. If, if you're so worried about his arm and you're playing him in right field, <laughs> I think you can play him in center. So I think Dusty, he does his things in the regular season, and then he makes adjustments in the postseason. But we're down to – there's no wiggle room anymore. you got to put your best lineup out there every day and try and win ball games. Two quick follow-up points. One, the Astros, they're on the plus side of inconsistent. right? They're on the good side of inconsistent. And we can say a lot of the same stuff about the Rangers, about the Mariners, right? Mm-hmm. Seattle the whole first half of the season – 500 almost every other game win loss win loss win loss win loss then take off for a while and then they go and they lose two out of three to the Mets now the Dodgers are really good but at home sell out crowds and Seattle lays three eggs and loses right the Astros in the eyes of many left the Rangers for dead with that three game demolition in Arlington and then the Rangers lose the first game against Oakland maybe they are dead then they win six in a row a massive four game sweep at Toronto and then they go lose three at playing out the string Cleveland, right? This kind of stuff happens to most teams and the Astros aren't a great team like Atlanta, Baltimore and Tampa Bay are obviously, and by a pretty good distance, the two best teams in the American league this season doesn't mean that the Astros or the Rangers or the Mariners or the twins or the blue Jays or whoever's in the playoffs, three out of five, then four out of seven will have every chance to take down the Orioles or the Rays but the Astros, at best, are the third best team in the American League this year. I guess that's what's frustrating about it is you feel like that partially the reason why the Astros are in this situation is because the Rangers and the Mariners are not taking care of business on their end. Josh mentioned missing Luis Garcia. I miss Christian Javier, and he's on the team. Yeah. Uh, he's just not yeah. the same Christian Javier that we're used to. But I do wonder if some of the, the confidence can be weakened on a team just because you know that your manager's not necessarily putting the team in a position to succeed. Uh, Jose Breu has been awful for every month, but one, he's still like at times hitting in the cleanup spot. And then you're seeing Chaz McCormick hitting as low as eighth. Now, granted, I will say on the flip side of that, 
the value is, boy, your lineup is is deep. Uh, derelict, duty, dusty, dumb on a couple of things. Uh, as you mentioned, lengthening the battering order is one thing. Hitting a Abreu fifth with McCormick eighth. Yiner ninth sometimes. That's just stupid. Um, but I will say, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, all significantly less productive at home this season than on the road. I have a hard problem putting any of that on Dusty as we try to figure out, well, why have the Astros been this steaming mediocrity turd at Minute Maid Park and by and large world beaters on the road? So a lot to it. In the end, they have the components to be a playoff team and then take their shot in October. Just don't blow it these last two weeks. Yeah, and to your point with the, with the Chaz Abreu thing, it's just it's so glaring when you're watching it as a fan because how many times does Abreu get up with the bases loaded, and then and it's so the eye test is just ugly. He's down 0-2 immediately and calling timeout. I mean, how many times have you seen that happen this year? So it's just you feel like that's a, more avoidable. You know, move Chaz up in the lineup, let him have some of those at bats, and and. and to go along with that, how many times do you see Maldi come up with the bases? Look, you know, it's just, I'm sure the perception is more than it actually happens, but it, it happens so often, it really does make you question Dusty. Like, what are we doing here? There are things that he just disregards logic. Um, you know, anytime they're down in the fifth or sixth inning, a day where Yiner is on the bench, Maldonado comes up, you know, don't just wait till the ninth inning. Hey, Yiner, go up and try to be a hero against the closer. Uh, you have a runner in scoring position, or it's a 2-1 game in the sixth inning, right? Sure, every once in a while, Maldi will hit a home run or come up with a hit or do both in the same game. Every once in a while, it's about body of work. It's about general expectation. And whether it's the World Series champions trying to defend their crown or a Little League team, the worst kids bet at the end of the lineup. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. We'll end it there. Another episode of Stone Cold Strows in the books. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. Charlie, Josh, and I will catch you next week, but you don't have to wait that long to get your Houston sports fix. All you have to do is subscribe to Sports Map Houston on YouTube and John Granado, Lance Zerline, Josh will have you covered there. Remember, if you're on YouTube, go subscribe to at Sports Map Texans. That's our new Texans channel. And if you're listening on podcast, go catch us on uh, your favorite podcast provider, our new podcast, Texans on Tap. We do appreciate your support there. Thanks to Jack Brame for producing the show behind the scenes. And thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, go Strohs.